0: Welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is episode 15 of season 3. My name's Adil Ahmad, and I have Misophonia. The last couple of episodes have been with people in Germany, and this week, another guest from Germany. Olivia actually grew up in the U.S. and is now living and working on a graduate degree in Germany. Her master's thesis will focus on navigating white-collar offices... With misophonia, and envisioning solutions related to design and policy. This is very near and dear to my heart because I think more awareness in the workplace and in HR will lead to a lot more awareness in society at large. Along the way, Olivia also warns us about clocks in German homes and getting an earplug vacuumed out of her ear. You don't want to miss this. I will say there were some audio issues in this episode, so apologies in advance, I did my best to resolve them, but if it's uh, sometimes hard to make out what Olivia is saying, you might need to wait for the transcript. You can also just email her. She has an email address set up for her research at oliviamisophonia at gmail.com, and I'll have that in the show notes. We're a couple months away from recording season four, and it's already pretty much booked up. It might even be full, but if it's not, please do grab a slot and come and share your story. Otherwise, stay tuned because these are going to be some amazing conversations coming all throughout 2021. Still some incredible episodes coming up over the next few weeks. All right, but for now, here's my conversation with Olivia. Welcome, Olivia. Welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's really good to be here.
0: Cool. So, um... Yeah, where, I guess whereabouts are you?
1: I am in Germany right now, but I'm originally from Arizona, so.
0: All right, all right, okay, cool. And are you there? I mean, it sounds like uh, we, you know, we exchanged some messages before and it sounds like you're, you're mm-hmm. a student there working on some, some stuff that we'll get into. Um, mm-hmm. So is that, is that your main thing there? You're there are you in Germany um, to be a student or was it, uh, were you there for other reasons?
1: Uh, so I originally moved here about almost four years ago to teach English, and then I met my husband, who's a German citizen, and we got married. And so now we just live here, and I'm a student, additionally.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so you're teaching English, and uh, you're also back to school yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. And uh, yeah, what do you um, what do you uh, what do you study?
1: Well, I study. It's called Global Sustainability Science, Um, and it's actually a double master's program with Arizona State University um, and Leuphana University, which is in the north of Germany, uh, which I no longer live in. I just moved to Nuremberg, so uh, it doesn't really matter because everything's online, but yeah, it's called Global Sustainability Science, and we're supposed to be in Arizona right now uh, doing our third semester, but obviously that's not happening. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right yeah exactly so um so you're yeah you were supposed to it's a joint and you're supposed to be back in arizona um mm-hmm. and this is a uh sorry this is a this is a graduate degree right yes
1: sorry. Yeah.
0: okay gotcha okay yeah i guess uh, since you mentioned it let's let's talk about that because it sounds like there are some um links to misophonia or misophonia is part of the part of the thesis do you want to Discuss. Uh, you can get into kind of like uh, what thesis is about and uh, how you arrived at that.
1: Yeah, um, I'll try to talk about it as clearly and succinctly as I can at six in the morning. Um, oh, yeah. But my thesis is definitely at the sort of nascent stage. I would say where I've developed what I want to go into, but I'm not clear, fully clear on which perspective I will take necessarily. But yeah, it's all about. Um, navigating white-collar office spaces with mystifonia. And obviously, when you hear that, maybe you're kind of thinking, what does that have to do with sustainability? And I've also really thought about that myself. But I think for me, it just exists within that larger realm of mental health and um, recognizing mental health of the stigma of mental health and also having offices, offices be placed Um, have their well-being actually taken care of by their bosses instead of potentially uh, depleted or conditions exacerbated by it.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that's come up on this show a number of times is how... Um, you A know, couple couple things from the employee perspective, obviously. I mean, it goes kind of without saying that uh, you're spending so much time at work. Um, you could come home absolutely mentally drained. And what, what effect mm-hmm. that has on you. Um, you're not getting much done, not getting as much done at work. And on the flip side, from the employer perspective, um, there's a, you know, it could be a significant impact to the bottom line if mm-hmm. um, you know some swath of your employees is just ain't doing shit <laughs> so um, yeah. or you know it's just it's not not much is happening and and then there's all then there's all kinds of uh i'm sure second order effects of um you know a team kind of being dragged down by um the health of you know some some of the members of that team so yeah that's uh many different dimensions there. i don't uh blame you for not um <laughs> To figure out exactly which way to go, I, I hope you actually uh, explore all of that, um, or as much as possible. But uh, yeah, that's an exciting yeah. and unique, unique, um, unique topic um, that's personally interesting to me. So,
1: yeah, I think that's the way I kind of approached my master's thesis. Was I was thinking, well, you actually don't have that much time to do something, so you better do something like that you're interested because oh, yeah. if you don't then you're sitting there and you're like oh i'm trying to figure out i don't know life cycle assessment and i don't really care about this issue so um that was one reason but i think the other is i at first approached it from a design perspective um so i don't know i sometimes watch buzzfeed videos and they show their office a lot and they have like a really authentic open office in the sense of like it's I don't know, it just gives me anxiety every time I look at it because there are people just literally right next to each other. Everyone has to wear these giant headphones because no one, you know, an open office is supposed to be about collaboration. But no one's collaborating because no one can, like, hear each other over all the I know. typing and stuff. So that sort of brought it to my attention of, like, well, why? why? I mean, obviously, if they design it, "Quote unquote" to be collaborative, but also to save money. But like, what are really the effects of people having to sit here, especially if you have dysphonia, and work in an office? Like
0: that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, this is a great uh, uh, irony of that is everyone's pretty much got headphones. It's not the uh, it's not the uh, idea that was I guess sold to, to HR, which was like yeah. all this dynamism and everyone um, grabbing each other to go to the whiteboard and coming up with some genius light bulb idea. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So what um, did, did uh, were you inspired by, you know, observing like in those BuzzFeed videos or were you actually, had you, had you actually experienced something like that personally?
1: So I've never worked in that kind of open office, which I have to be really thankful for. But I have worked mm-hmm. in open offices with um, cubicles, like not full cubicles but sort of the half cubicles and i actually like before i left the job um my manager approached me to say like oh um you know you're a really good customer service rep you're re- you have really good like numbers about that you could think of pursuing a managing job here at this, this company and it, i thanked him but in my head i was just going like but you're a manager, and you also have to spend the calls with everybody yeah. else. And I, there's no way I could possibly do this. And I think, I think there could be a problem with retention rate for the fact that not only for misophonics, but for other people who just say, but what's the payoff? You know, like everyone is treated, I don't want to say like shit, but no one's privacy or anything like that is really respected. And that has to do also with the way the company kind of treated people. Like, you weren't allowed to have pens and paper at your desk at one point and um, you know, you weren't allowed to ever look at your phone, but it's a customer service job and you're working with a very shift. Then, well, you're getting a call like once every hour. Mm. So then you just sit there. Um, so I think it tied into the larger aspect of like, how do companies treat their employees? Or- do they treat them like as if they're robots or do they treat them like they're people? But I do kind of wonder for the jobs at Visophonics, maybe they would be really good at it if they just got retained because, well, what's the benefit if you come home with all the stress?
0: Yeah, absolutely, that's, that's another part of it. Uh, the bottom line for, well, obviously health, yeah, health for employees, but bottom line for employers, like uh, the churn of having to replace um high you know high, you know very talented employees is high because uh, you gotta go through the whole hr process and you gotta train people um it's there's a yeah there's a there's like i said there's a lot of second order effects too uh, on top of the uh, obvious ones that affect the employee directly um yeah there's there's a lot of different angles here um yeah <laughs> I, are you i know this is a kind of a nascent state but um are you looking maybe for people to interview to to kind of like inf- you know help help out or is it just too early at this point to know which way you're going to go
1: so for right now i can definitely interview people but i can't necessarily like there's a lot of uh codes on having human subjects as research mm. so i have to wait until i get that approved by the board
0: So um,
1: if anyone wants to speak to me before January, that would be cool. Um, But in January, yeah, I plan to uh, uh, release a survey. And then for anyone who would like to be interviewed from that survey, they can. Otherwise, it's completely anonymous. Um, And then I would really like to actually have a focus group because I think, you know, there's all the forums, there's Reddit stuff, but you don't often hear about people talking uh, misophonic talking well in person but it would it would be in person if we were allowed to do that but um talking in real life
0: yeah i mean and i think, I think you could easily set up answer. a yeah you can easily probably set up a zoom call or something at least uh mm-hmm. or or if not get together in person um yeah. yeah i'm sure you had a lot of people who'd want to do that so uh yeah definitely yeah hit, hit me up if you uh, I, I'd love mm-hmm. to pr- yeah, promote it whatever survey link or whatever you have whenever that's ready. that would be that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, that would be really um, great. thank you.
0: so let's um yeah let's let's dive into to you, I guess, uh, Olivia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your misophonia um, uh, tell yeah, tell me how far back does it do you remember it going?
1: so i' I'll just say like I'm also self-reported. Because I think yeah. that's a pretty normal thing
0: we well, have to be uh, no one get, no one uh <laughs> no one's going around uh no one's, there's no you know misophonologist or anything that's uh, yeah
1: I mean you could go to like I, I was really amazed that Duke University opened up the center uh-huh. um, but you have to live in north like basically you have to live in North Carolina. so um, yeah which is it's still really cool it's just like oh i don't I don't live there okay um but yeah, i'm self diagnosed but I think I was always a sensitive kid, because I can even remember when I was a little kid of getting annoyed when, are we allowed to talk about triggers or? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no, you can talk about triggers. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay, Um, when the fan would click, like if you don't, if a ceiling fan isn't properly installed, it'll make this clicking sound.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But I think actually it really began when I was like nine, and I just remember, um, there was one summer where the sound just really started to bother me, and it was uh, cicadas. And in Arizona, you have annual cicadas, and it had never bothered me before, but all of a sudden, it was just like unbearable. And I wore earplugs that entire summer, and like, my parents were quite freaked out. Um, mm. And they were like, what, what is going on? Like, and I also didn't like the sound of clocks ticking. I remember that, and at that time I also started to really develop a hatred towards the sound of typing. Uh, it, it wasn't as strong as it became later, but it was just like, don't know. But I think the cicadas really started it.
0: Yeah, they can get kind of, uh, they can get kind of crazy. <laughs> we just uh, ended summer here in Minnesota, and uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they get loud. They get loud in the Midwest. Um, so yeah, interesting. So not the maybe the. A lot of the usual kind of eating sounds and whatnot. Um, more environmental sounds.
1: Not at first, yeah. Yeah. But more I think environmental that has, and
0: Action sounds, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess a lot more mechanical sounds, but definitely by the time I think I hit, I don't know, I would say 13, gumswing would really bother me. Gumswing still really, really bothers me. Yeah. Um,
0: D- did you start noticing that at school first?
1: So I was quite lucky in that um, obviously in elementary school, gum was like a Sydney band, so maybe that's why I didn't notice it. Um, and then in my middle school, gum was also banned. And then in high school, that's when they started to like open it up again, so I think that's how I really became more aware of it. Yeah. But also, I do remember like being in church, someone would be chewing gum, like crazily and just sitting there like my god like what are you doing um yeah yeah. but for me i think one of the weird things is food chewing doesn't bother me nearly as much unless it's super obvious like for some reason to my ears the gum chewing it's a different kind of chewing i think people are generally more like loose with their mouths i don't know or they chew at a different rate i have no idea yeah
0: yeah and uh, so all these uh, like the, that that the gum and the mechanical stuff, it mm-hmm. was uh, it was definitely like fight or flight, like you. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then so didn't it, so it doesn't sound like your family members were not really a big triggers at least in the beginning, right? For a while, or did that quickly start to encompass so, them as well?
1: I think this is going to reflect a lot of what the other people said, is that my dad was kind of the trigger in a lot of ways because he was the one who would be on the computer at home. Um, and obviously you were back in the 90s, so you had those uh, keyboards, oh, that yeah. like the IBM keyboards, um, that were super loud. And I just remember like like telling him he had to stop. Um, and my dad is also someone who likes to really suck candy. And that was also something mm. I just couldn't stand. So I think, you know, my dad tried to be aware to a certain degree, but then he also had that sort of, I guess, the way that he also grew up is just like, you just have to get used to it. Like exposure therapy kind of idea. Yeah. So you did talk to him uh, about but used to it. I just apologize for that. Yeah, I definitely I f- him, yeah. And I think yeah. my parents were quite worried about it so i did see a therapist because of it mm. when i was i think in sixth grade
0: okay so, so this is aware... before this is before all the the, the gum chewing thing it, it was when it was still mm-hmm. the mechanical stuff uh in the late elementary yeah. school early junior high they had you see a therapist okay
1: yeah i think it was for more than that because it's also getting like quite that uh, social anxiety about going mm-hmm. to school and maybe that had partially to do with just like being surrounded by all of these sounds, you know, teachers typing constantly, on the computer text or things like that. Yeah, um, I was
0: going to ask if you felt like it was, uh, you know, w- w- if the social anxiety was caused mainly from misophonia, or, or you you genuinely did have um, other other things going on.
1: I think I probably had other things going on, but I think the <laughs> misophonia definitely exacerbated it. And it
0: and it was always
1: like, oh, I'm going to be in this environment that is predictable, where I'm going to have all these feelings that I don't know what to do with. Yeah, and I yeah. guess by this point, um, misophonia had been named, but of course no one knew about it. So it right. was kind of like, my, uh, no one had any idea. But I do remember the therapist that we saw, like when we talked about the sound, one time he actually said to my parents, like, no, but some people actually are hurt by sound. Like, it's, it's not someone making it up. So I think that was always something that stuck in my head. of like, oh, like someone actually recognizes that I'm not that
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's, uh, around when was that? So that, what, do you know around what year that was?
1: It must have been like 2002. So I guess a year okay. after um, Jabber Coffee or whatever made the paper.
0: Yeah, I mean that's super early for somebody to mm-hmm. somebody in uh, um, where you were to kind of hear about it and and, and mention it. So, did that therapist uh, try to treat the misophonia as well um, on top of the social anxiety stuff? And if so, like what kind of stuff did they did they do?
1: So he didn't try to treat it. So I think that he maybe was coming. I mean, this is just my conjecture. I think he was. Um, Hyperacusis or tinnitus. never said that word um
0: hyperacusis i think
1: yeah hyper thank you so like an extra um,
0: sensitivity for sound yeah
1: yeah um because he never said like it's misophonia or like anything like that um i think he just sort of was there for me to talk to him i don't think he ever recommended anything because you know what what could you recommend Besides either exposure therapy, I think, which I think was is still to this day kind of a common thing to hear, or um, avoidance. So I don't know if there's anything in between.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I've, yeah, it's, you're right. I mean, I've never thought about it such a binary way, but yeah, it's either your uh, exposure, which I hear overwhelmingly that, um, well, at least the people I talk to, it hasn't worked. And then avoidance, mm-hmm. which is the flight uh, portion of the fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And then there have been, you know, well, we won't get into too much of it. There has been, uh, you know, occasions of the fight aspect. But yeah, you're right. It's like <laughs> avoidance or using tools like headphones or blah blah mm-hmm. blah to kind of get over it, um, or legal maneuvers like uh, you know ADA and five hundred fours and that kind of stuff.
1: Um, yeah, but I guess when you're a kid, he's probably not going to recommend that. I think.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember that um, one of the things things that it allowed my parents to just like sort of see by him saying that was, okay, so you're already trying to be understanding, but also, like, you don't have to be so freaked out that I'm, I don't know, that I have, like, some sort of mental condition that this is something that does exist. And it doesn't have to be so severe. I think it allowed them to, for me to find clothing coping mechanisms. Some of them not so sustainable. One time I got an earplug stuck in my ear <laughs> and I had to get it vacuumed out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, wear the proper size of earplugs like a subway. Up there yeah. um, But for them to just be like, okay, like, sometimes you need to use these coping mechanisms and we don't need to say like, no, this isn't allowed at all.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So your parents were a bit reassured that uh, mm-hmm. you know a professional heard heard of this at least, or and, yeah, and that you weren't making it up, or that it was something mm-hmm. something real. How did it start? did it um, affect maybe your your social circles at school? Even um, at that young age and going into high school, like kind of who you associated with and and uh, how you interacted with other students.
1: I think to some degree it did. I think. Um you know, if I had a friend who was chewing gum, I would just try to leave the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm sure that was quite awkward. <laughs> um, and I know sometimes like someone in the hallway or something would like pop their gum and I would give them like the death stare. And my friends would be yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, because I was like usually quite a passive person. And mm-hmm. why are you doing this? And, um, yeah, I think it also definitely affected where I would go. So, for example, like when I go to the movies, I would really like to go either super early in the morning, like when only senior citizens go, like 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or I would like to take really strange seats, like never in the middle of the theater, because that was just too overwhelming to be like stuck right in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and not going to certain parties sometimes because I didn't know like what the atmosphere would be or I knew a certain person would be really come quite loudly. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, just not forming probably friendships with some people because I saw what they were doing and I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, what about grades in school? Did it start to affect uh, grades as you were uh, getting to high school and whatnot, getting ready to go to college?
1: So, no, actually, which I'm quite, when I think back to it, I'm quite impressed by. Um, I think though, what it did affect my attendance, um, <laughs> I think yeah. I got perfect grades in high school. But I think that's partially because my parents would let me stay home. Sometimes, sometimes I just couldn't go to school. I just needed a mental health day. Yeah. And I took basically the maximum amount of attend or absentee every term um so i think that really helped me but it definitely affected like the way i would sit in class um sometimes my attention levels and i would just have to make that up later of like learning what the teacher said because i had been trying to like covertly plug my ears because another student was doing something gotcha
0: yeah okay and uh, um and it sounds like at this point you're um at home, your parents are quite um, accommodating to you, right? And what was life like at home?
1: Uh, yeah, I think my parents, like especially compared to a lot of other parents, were quite understanding. I think They still had some ideas about exposure therapy, but I think that's pretty natural. Um, especially, you know, in the 1950s and stuff, I think that's a pretty natural attitude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were pretty accommodating. Like, my dad would try to not be typing so much while we were out in the living room and, you know, try to be somewhat conscious of his uh, chewing. And my mom, who does also like to chew gum, um, she said, oh, you know, I had never thought about it. Like I had never thought about how I to chew. And now like when I'm in a public place, like I actually, you know, try to chew with my mouth closed. Um, gotcha. So I thought that was quite interesting
0: yeah 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 uh, and yet do you have any siblings or only child
1: i don't i'm an only child okay. so i guess that's okay. also an easier way to deal with it because you don't have a sibling who maybe knows you triggers and
0: like too... beating you up and bugging yeah, you yeah. yeah yeah right right
1: exactly. or We're vice checking.
0: versa you're beating them up for triggering you yeah
1: exactly um, yeah yeah
0: gotcha okay okay um all right so yeah so now um i guess yeah this it takes us to kind of to uh to college uh so you're uh, mm-hmm. i guess you went, did you go right into asu or did you do something else for um for undergrad
1: so um i went to a university in ohio for undergrad mm-hmm. um and i think like a lot of people i had certain expectations of what that would look like um so it was quite a rude awakening for me when i kind of got there and it was full of a lot of people who were I, I would say, super into partying, which obviously a college student is into partying, but I kind of thought like, oh, I'm going to this kind of, like, somewhat prestigious school, so everyone's going to be really serious about studying. Um, and then it was something that I had never experienced before, which is bass music, like music with a lot of bass, and people just playing it super loud. hmm um, know grew up in the suburbs like and people always like had the HOA on you and the noise ordinance on you if you did stuff like that so I guess I acquired a a new trigger because I had never heard that before Um, and you know it would come when I was trying to study or when I was trying to sleep and it was just this really stressful situation and I think it really contributed to my first year which was a really oh it was a really hard year I mean, obviously, I was away from home, I experienced my first time of ever having um, seasonal depression because I had never been in an actual winter before in my life. But also, I was trying to get accustomed to all these new sounds and sharing a room with someone who also made sounds. so it was, yeah, that yeah, is quite a lot. An interesting year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a lot going on. Yeah, you're right. You're seasonal. If you haven't, if you haven't been in winter, and then all yeah, new misophonia and all, all the school stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's did you did you uh, make it through that year and, and keep going or um, how did you? Yeah, did you I
1: that? no, I definitely I made it through. Um, I went to therapy. I didn't really go for misophonia. I didn't really talk to her much about that, but my uh, school's counselor, like I definitely talked My a therapist. Um, she definitely helped me like think of some ways of trying to change my thinking or having coping mechanisms of telling me, you know, like it's okay that you're having, a, you know, not a great time. That's, that is okay Like, you're allowed to feel like that. Um, I think that was really validating. Um, and I don't know, I remember in my last year, we lived across people who like, really like have a good time at to party. And the way I coped with that is kind of a crazy way of, I, w- I had found this like, projector room in my school mm-hmm. that would stay open basically all night. And you could like stream movies through it. And so I would just go there. Sometimes I took a friend, but I would just go there by myself and just wait for the parties to be closed down. Mm. Which, it's not great for your sleep schedule, Um, but yeah, it is what it is, but I think I just continued all the high school ones, like I always were when to go to sleep. Um, I would avoid the library unless I could get this one seat in the basement, there was oddly a computer in the basement, in the stack, that it was like my favorite place to be and I would go there if I could. And I think, yeah, just wearing headphones when I could. Um, Like if I had to, I don't know, be trying to figure where I would wear headphones. I went to a really small university. But yeah, if I had to be in the library in the big rooms, I would try to wear like headphones and stuff like that. So I think just all the stuff that I had done before.
0: Yeah, there's all kinds of little uh, grenades being, sonic grenades being launched (laughs) in, uh, in a university library. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. All right, so um, yeah, and obviously you were like super smart, um, and so you your brain can like scholastically get you through. So um, yeah, well yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if
1: I'm super smart if I'm just a perfectionist
0: to some degree. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, no. You did well in high school, and uh, yeah, obviously you're doing grad grad school here. So uh, yeah, thank God for that. And that got you. That got you. I think you know, obviously I had a big part of you getting through there. Um, and so obviously you're not partying, you know, partying with all these people. Uh, but you, did you find, um, I mean, did you find your own, you find your own group of friends, I guess, uh, in, mm-hmm. uh, in university, by the way, anybody, uh, by, by this point, had you met anybody else who had misophonia?
1: So I think I went to university in like 2008 and I'm trying to think if that had been a widely... Like noticing. I don't think I had met anyone who said, oh, I have misophonia yet. Right, yeah. But I I have met people, and I remember meeting people at university also who were sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that it existed, but we never really talked about, like, we never had, like, a fetch about, oh, my God, this person annoys me so much, and don't you hate it when, like, but I, that's definitely where I started to meet people who were also, like, you no, know, like, sounds bother me as well.
0: So while you were there in Ohio, in Ohio you did uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you did uh, meet people who were very sensitive to sounds. Okay, yeah. I mean, around that point, I think it was uh, there was also the other term, um, selective sound sensitivity mm-hmm. syndrome, which was going around, which I'm sure was even less of a buzz. You know, less of a yeah. uh, catchy catchy phrase for people, uh, regular people to know. So um, yeah, uh, interesting. Okay. And uh, and then, then yeah. So once you graduated, uh, kind of what did you do? Did you just is that when you, did you just kind of dive into grad school at that point, or was there a little uh, little break when you were working?
1: So there was about a seven year break mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. Um, undergrad and graduate. Um, so between that time, I worked at an insurance company that will remain nameless, where I had to work in the open offices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to teach English in Korea for three years. And then I mm. came to Germany to teach English. So, wow.
0: Okay. But did you did you go to uh, other countries because you uh, obviously because you you want to teach English to others? Um, not because you want to run away from people <laughs> from sounds. I, I would not imagine. recommend
1: Korea as a place to run away from, from misophonia, yeah. Just in case anyone's wondering.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah so you've been a uh, right. Uh, Korea and in Germany, maybe, yeah, maybe just you know, without like getting into any cultural stuff, but I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like, uh, just to kind of misophonia awareness uh, and and you know, environmental, yeah, the kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, what's it like for misophones? And then uh, I'd, I'd be also curious to know if if you had a sense of any awareness of misophonia in those countries.
1: So I really love Korea, but I don't think there's any awareness right um
0: any about what about mental health in general do you think in korea
1: so this is just my perspective but i think it's also backed yeah. up by if you watch a lot of videos from koreans and you look at the policies in korea and you talk to other expats who have been to korea that korea is at the very beginnings of accepting what mental health is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people don't want to talk about the fact that they have depression um, they don't want their bosses knowing. Um, I remember one of the first things that we learned, and I'm not sure how true this is still, because this was about five years ago, so hopefully it's changed a bit, but I remember people saying, like, don't say the word, like, oh, you're so crazy. Like, like crazy, like, oh, you're so funny, you're so whatever. Because the way that it's translated into Korea is like you're actually crazy, and that's a really, really bad thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm quite insulting and kids will get quite angry about it. They'll be like, no, I'm not, like, um, so uh, there's still this need for an ongoing awareness of mental health and that having depression doesn't mean that you're like sort of a lost cause and it isn't something that just the rut. So I think it's quite an interesting place to be. Um, so I never talked about my <laughs> misophonia in Korea um, and I think also at that point, it was just something I kind of wanted to hide and something I kind of just wanted to like hope would go away sometime. Right.
0: Okay. Um, so you ho- you hoped your own misfortune was going to go away during that time?
1: I guess just during my lifetime. I just hope that it was okay. something like eventually they would find a cure for it. And then, yeah, you know, I would be fine.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, I guess... You say, yeah, you're in Korea and yeah, stigma is, you know, yeah. couldn't, couldn't so do much. a big much. issue. Uh, right, right, right. What about, um, and then you were being triggered a lot over there, right?
1: Um, in some ways, yeah, in some ways more, but that's also because I think my life changed quite dramatically in the sense, like, well, when I lived in the States, because I was in suburbia and in Arizona, the public transit, at that point it was quite terrible. I never took the bus. But now, mm. when you're in Drea, you're taking the bus, like if you want to go to Seoul, you're taking the bus every weekend. Mm. And being in public transit, when you haven't had to really rely on that in your lifetime, is quite jarring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of gum chewing and lots of sounds like popping gum. Um, right, right. I think that was the main thing. Um, and I think too, it, sometimes like, Eating was also quite hard because like when you're eating super hot food, you have to like eat quite loudly sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I love Korea. Like, so, you know, like, don't like your misophonia stop you going to Korea. Just be aware. That
0: no, yeah, that no, it's a great Korea. place. Uh, definitely. Yeah many great things about korea uh but yeah just get just get just get to get to know uh yeah and public transportation yeah, yeah it's, it's rough anywhere it sounds like if yeah if you would uh if it was kind of your first major foray into it that's uh that's gonna be rough um hey and uh yeah let's let's talk a bit about then um did you go directly from korea to to germany You're, you know like relative, almost
1: I, I had a few yeah, months I was, where i stayed with my parents right. while i was trying to like figure out the paperwork and stuff yeah. Um, but yeah, so I came to Germany, and Germany is kind of a weird situation in some ways. Okay. As um, it's great in a lot of ways, in the sense of they have noise ordinances and they actually stick by them. So, for example, um, you're not allowed to make noise between these certain hours, or you're not supposed to make like. A
0: Oh, so that's by uh, that's individual people out on the street, or is it, uh, is it just a like a, a more intense version of that uh, of like a, you know you know, like late night noise ordinances that you get in those suburban HOAs?
1: So it's kind of both because it's um, um, definitely like apartments within your apartment building, oh, okay. and where people are allowed to have parties and stuff like that. And then for bars and stuff, they can only be in, like, certain kind of areas, I guess, because um, most neighbors wouldn't accept that they have, like, a bar, like, next to them if there doesn't it be one. Well. Like, obviously, there are certain areas that are very popular to have bars, but you know that when you move in. Um, yeah. But also things close. Like, we just moved to Bavaria, and grocery stores close at 8 o'clock at night. Mm, so, okay when you're closing places, you know, because of these different reasons, then like also the sound goes away.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and that's good. So it sounds like, um, it's a more miso friendly environment because of these uh, kind of, uh, regulations.
1: I mean, yeah, I think so. I think it, it can be, especially if you have triggers that are brought on by loud music or things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely not like don't come here expecting that it's like a peaceful Zen place, I guess, um, because, you know, you, you can still be triggered on public transit, which will right. you'll certainly be using.
0: That's kind of universal. Um, right.
1: Yeah. 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 I think Japan was the only place I've ever been to where I didn't see people chewing gum in public. Mm. And so I think it's just a thing worldwide. Um, but um it's definitely i think people have a bit more of an old school also approach to certain things like of manners sort of more like you may have experienced like in from your grandparents or about chewing yeah. food with your mouth closed and things like that so it's not always followed but a lot more people are aware of it
0: yeah it's interesting uh yeah because we were talking earlier about how uh old school can sometimes means just uh can sometimes mean yeah. just bottle things up but then uh, yeah. old school could also mean better manners you know being a little bit more yeah. disciplined in that way yeah. um and, and so what are what are some of the uh, other than public transportation in germany what would you say are some of the uh things that are maybe unique about germany that um uh, that can, or if there is anything unique about Germany that uh, can kind of cause issues? Um,
1: um, October
0: Fast, that. slamming beer,
1: mugs <laughs> and stuff. I, I actually still haven't been to October 7th, but But um, <laughs> I would say definitely be aware that Germans really, really love analog clocks. And I don't mean cuckoo clocks. Like, you don't find many people have cuckoo clocks in the house because they're also very annoying to, so like, normal people. Hmm. or to people who don't have misophonia, sorry um, but just clocks, like the love analog clocks, and they'll have them in every room of their house and they'll be the ones okay. that have the second hand that's ticking and it's uh, that's something to be aware of um, trying to think that's a good question
0: no that's good uh, that's right that I would not have thought of that
1: um, <laughs> yeah that's the kind of thing uh, I, I just think about it because my husband mother, who's a very lovely woman, has clocks in every single room, and every time we go there, I'm just like, ah. Oh. um, right, I, right. she's even taken them down, because when I first went there with him, um, he was very nice enough to say that he had a problem with them, because I didn't want to, like, meet these people, and be like, yes, I don't like your clock, like, please take them yeah. down,
0: so, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so that's interesting, uh, yeah i've heard that where somebody takes the fall for for people's misophonia sounds like you had a conversation um, um curious to how that how you talked to your partner about your husband about that uh when you met was it uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: proactive or was it a um reactive kind of situation
1: you no know, the funny the thing is i don't remember but i must have had okay. a sort of a proactive thing of being like by so, the way sounds bother me <laughs> certain sounds bother me yeah yeah um, so like if I don't sit somewhere in public transit, or if I stand up and like I stand somewhere else, um, right. it doesn't mean like I'm angry at you. Um, it just maybe yeah. means there's like a trigger nearby, and I have to breathe. And I right. think it may have also come up when we took our first um, trip together because we I think we flew to like Georgia, like Georgia or something, and I was like, hey, listen, like I'm gonna be like probably not the greatest person when we are at the airport and on the plane because of the
0: people and around eating and around public <laughs> Yeah, but, and uh, around
1: gum because yeah, like yeah. it's an airport right. so like right so i think I, I was i think i was probably proactive of
0: that. okay and so he's gotten used to it
1: yeah i think so i think he's accepted it um he doesn't seem to put on much of a like a thing of like well she just got used to it like he doesn't say it's
0: yeah that would be bad news
1: yeah oh yeah <laughs>
0: but uh oh, for him no but uh yeah, yeah for no, him no, and for uh, us yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure.
0: okay interesting so uh okay so yeah you're you're in germany now and um mm-hmm. um and are you what about aware oh yeah i guess did we talk about awareness uh i guess in no germany? we didn't um, um yeah no so,
1: i mean if, if if i'm wrong anyone can like Please, like reach out, but as far as I know, there is no awareness. Mm. Um, I've never seen a group about it. Um, I've never seen any flyers or something about it. Um, you know, like my German isn't perfect, so I don't read German magazines. Maybe it has been in a German magazine, and I'm just not aware or maybe they call it something else. Sometimes they don't use Latin words, they use Germanic words, so maybe it's called something mm. else. Um, but I've never seen anything about it, but I've also never tried to get treatment or any kind of therapy in Germany. So maybe maybe there are people who are aware of it, mm. but I kind of doubt it
0: personally. Yeah, I know there's something in, uh, there's research going on in Amsterdam, so some of the neighboring, I mean, yeah neighboring countries other countries in europe Mm -hmm. are are talking about it but uh yeah it's pretty patchy over there in europe there are countries i've talked to people there's like zero awareness um uh, i haven't talked to a lot of people from germany Uh, i mean obviously a lot of people there so you would think that um somebody's gotta i mean it's gotta be something's gotta be happening there but uh yeah it's interesting yeah Uh, mental health in general i mean i I know uh, you know i know people in germany and and i've definitely heard of um um, you know, the mental health being um, it, you know an issue in, in certain kind of uh, you know certain types of mental health, but I'm curious mm-hmm. if, uh in general, how, 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 what, from your perspective, um, is it take is it taken seriously? So I guess compared is, to Korea, it is. Probably, yeah, <laughs> maybe, but, compared
1: uh, to Korea, once again, love Korea, but God it needs yeah. to put progress on that. Um, so this is a difficult question to answer because I've also heard that too from people who, especially if they're like in a tiny village, um, maybe sort of mental health isn't seen as something that's that concerning. But from, in my experience overall, like actually Germany is quite good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it always depends on the kind of job you have. But there are jobs where you can take a leave of absence because of mental health. And it can mm-hmm. be quite lengthy. Like, um, and of course, in Germany, you have four to six, six weeks of paid vacation. So yeah, <laughs> you know you're not right. deciding whether or not you take a sick day or you take your vacation. like you do one or that you do the other. like it's, it's not really a choice. I, I mean, when you're in certain privileged positions, um, I don't know what the situation is like if you're like in the rough rough system. but but um, yeah, if you're in like research or your I think a lot of other kinds of jobs that just require you to have like a bachelor's degree. Um, so the system is more aware I would say than the American system. Um, you no, know, you can get coverage for mental health. Sometimes it's not always the best depending on your provider because it also still is, there still is a parody, um, between mental health coverage versus physical health, I would say. But I think people, are more aware in the system. I think for individual issues, because Germany is not a very individualistic country compared to the US, but the US is like the most individualistic country. Um, there isn't that much awareness for like saying like, oh, I have this. Like, oh, I have like uh, a physical or a mental, what, is, what are they called, like, like a companion dog for when you have lots of stress and stuff like that. Mm-hmm um for those kind of like issues where you're saying i've made this like i've or i've had the special accommodation for myself there isn't that much awareness i think
0: gotcha yeah 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 I mean, the healthcare system is overall you're right i mean that system is great over there in general for for yeah. health care um and if you can get um yeah if you can get your condition or whatever it's recognized i'm sure um Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of opportunities there, more more so than than here, um, where it seems like people talk about it a lot. There's there's more awareness, but uh, I mean nothing gets covered here, <laughs> so um, <laughs>
1: yeah, nothing gets covered. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's. It, I've never been to a therapist in Germany. I can imagine that some of them could be quite old and be like, "What are you talking about?" Um, but I can also imagine that you know the system covers it and that. You, go there and you can at least talk to them and say like hey they found this in this paper This mm-hmm. is what I have like i would like to think about cognitive behavioral therapy and things like
0: that so so i guess um yeah i'm curious now your your your, your own thesis um and maybe other uh, research you've done in preparation for it uh or leading leading up to it in some way mm-hmm. have you have you um been reading many papers or, or reading any literature um, to kind of, uh, um, you know, inform your understanding of misophonia? Um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. In the definitely.
1: And,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe talk about some, what are some of the standout, interesting things that you've, uh, that you've come across?
1: Well, since you brought up Amsterdam, I was really shocked when I read the, um, well, sorry, I'm going to fully forget it, but the sort of uh, codex they had made from Amsterdam of, like, trying to screen for misophonia. I was like, oh, that's, like, just right next to us, and I had no idea yeah. um, that was quite standout. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about the uh, case study, um, the desire for deafness. I thought that was quite a shocking paper to read. Um, especially because sometimes I have also wished I was deaf, but I've never sought elective surgery to bring that about. Um, I think the misophonia papers have never super, I guess, shocked me, necessarily, because it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think sometimes when I've read papers that are kind of from the mid-thousands about exposure therapy, where people are like really trying to promote it, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Like, maybe sure. it will work, but then they always say, like, well, we did this with a patient for over a year, and they came to us, like, three times a week, and you're like, okay, but that's, that's not a realistic uh, treatment for anybody, but especially for people in the U.S. It's not a realistic idea of treatment. Um, so I think that also kind of spurred the topic, because you also have to just think of, like, realistic treatment, or realistic treatment. Going
0: to therapy three the same time a week and being part of um, a study is probably not going to happen yeah that's a, a lot of us are like uh we, i mean i'm not holding my breath for a cure so this, a lot of this yes. is uh the things i'm most interested in are the things like your thesis topic is like okay um it's, i it's I've had to advocate for myself and I got to figure out how to make this work at work. Mm-hmm. Now I work from home, but uh mm-hmm. you know i've spent many years working in the same kind of environments as BuzzFeed, and so um yeah like like a lot of people so uh yeah it's uh yeah the the thing the papers I'd be more interested in reading are yeah, the ones like yours is like uh were the interesting oh, okay. ways maybe that uh what what would be the interesting ways to kind of deal with stuff and how do i how can i take this knowledge um and take it to my employer and convince them that they need to pay attention to this and uh, make some changes
1: and i think that kind of brings up something i'm kind of shocked by is that hr from what from my experience like if anyone has anything where hr has actually made a change around sensitivity but i have not seen that in any HR sort of manual or any HR study. And I find that quite incredible, especially when you can read um, research that's been done on the effects of open offices on people, but still that's not included in the HR thing. Maybe it's because they can't do anything. You know, they can't change the design of an office. But I think it's so strange that the sound wouldn't be a part of it when they talk about light when they talk about ergo um, therapy kind of things that sounds doesn't come into the equation
0: yeah i would love to compare notes as you're starting to do this because uh i um i might sound like a broken record on this podcast but i've mentioned it a bunch of times where um i want to approach uh, i want to put together a, i don't know like a training session or, or some mm-hmm. something on the website where it's uh, information for hr folks to to get on this because uh, if we can convince them that this is going to affect the bottom line of the company yeah someone in them in, in that HR department can get promoted from with this kind of genius realization and um that we can retain people better we can attract <laughs> more people because misophones um as Dr. Johnson mentioned are um I wouldn't say overwhelming, but a lot of them are engineers and so mm-hmm. um, which notoriously hire people to uh, attract retain, and, mm-hmm. and pay and um, yeah I, i've uh, i've thought about going to hr and i've 've done some talks where i 've had uh, like at a local tech conference where I had an h uh, r team come just out of curiosity, and we could start to riff on that and they and I can see the light bulb kind of go off over their head where they're like, yeah, this is, uh, I had no idea what misophonia was. I came randomly to this talk and now I'm thinking about how to, how to, uh, make some changes. And so yeah. I think if we, I think it doesn't take much to convince them and see them to, to, to see the light. Yeah. It's, a, it's very, this is why I was excited to have you on the podcast because it's such an interesting topic <laughs> that I think can, uh, we can actually like, you know, make, a um, a movement within within yeah. HR that can spread and that can just raise awareness to employees. I mean, imagine you're mm-hmm. a new employee and you're like, um, n- never heard about this. This is bothering mm-hmm. you for so long and you hear about it. And now suddenly you have uh, another person who's aware. I think you can make some, mm-hmm. um, have a big impact in this awareness as well. So,
1: yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's, I would love to do that. Yeah, like, sure. notes, it's like, get your perspective because, I think one of the other things I'm quite interested with this aspect is as much as when I hear a trigger, I would love to actually ban it. Um, yeah. You know, I know that actually that's quite a restrictive thing and that I've been told by other people that actually like when they chew gum very loudly, when they snap gum, it's like a relaxation technique for them. So I guess Yes,
0: think- I've- I've heard about. that <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, all these stupid tics that uh, habits that people do. It's not, yeah, it's not just yeah. show and come, but.
1: Uh... Yeah, but all other kinds of things, yeah. So I think for me, one of the things I'd be interested in also just, you know, exploring with an HR concept is like flexibility in the office space, mm-hmm. you know, that you say like, okay, like, well, if, some, if there's a trigger near you, you can pick a different office space to work at or you can have a white nose where you can wear earphones because I think there are people who work for giant corporations where literally nothing is allowed, you know? So you're asking people to work in positions where, you know, you already are working at a job that maybe isn't that interesting, but now on top of it, you're working at a job where you can't even seek some kind of uh, relaxation your job so like you don't want to imp- I, at least in my perspective you don't want to impose that on anybody you don't want to say well you can't shoot them at all like obviously if you don't have a job on the phone you probably shouldn't be doing them you're right but but it is, what it is it does happen but i think which is also saying like have awareness have uh, modalities for people to seek and have flexibility you know like okay you have a sound sensitivity um disorder or you're you hyper can't
0: even say it anymore. Anyways. So Hypercuses, ahead. yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, then we have like a special room where we have a special part of the office.
0: For that. Yeah. You might want where to, where people uh, are more aware. Yeah, you might want to, so I, I'm, I've moved to Minnesota from, uh, I've spent many years in San Francisco, so, um, you know, I've been to many uh, uh, like tech companies um, in like the last 10 years, you know, those, those, all those modern tech companies that, that you know, hear about having like slides mm-hmm. in their lobby and whatnot, but um, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. So, uh, I've, yeah, I've been, I've worked at those companies and also like, you know, done interviews. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at a lot of uh, the other companies or had meetings. And so I get kind of introduced to, uh, I get to see all their different, uh, environments. And so you might want to, um, yeah, you might want to just, um, try to make connections or I can maybe help you but uh yeah I've, I've seen like there seems to be trends towards um yeah multimodal environments where it's mm-hmm. like yeah you got your um open space but then you have t- like uh there's you know the big conference rooms but then there's small conference rooms there's like little mm-hmm. breakout rooms there's little uh I even saw um at, uh, at one branch of paypal like almost like bunk bed kind of situations and uh, oh wow as part of their lounge like just you different places you can escape to that are not just on mm-hmm. the same level but uh, above, like uh interesting little um like telephone boots kind of thing and you see that everywhere now but uh yeah just all kinds of different the telephone booth is places. like
1: my
0: favorite thing to see <laughs> yeah 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 so um yeah yeah so, i mean you can go to a, like a witty we work if they still exist, but uh, to get some mm. some ideas as well, but uh, yeah a lot, a lot of these different companies have different um yeah they're coming up with different uh, types of little rooms and environments that you can run off to so um so i, I yeah I, I've seen that explode kind of in San Francisco and beyond of mm-hmm. um, uh, reassured uh, I don't think there's any misphonas necessarily in the handbook, but uh, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a it's kind of in the zeitgeist where to. Yeah. Bring this back to a German term, but uh, that there's uh, you know some something happening, and this could be this is a perfect moment for um, for this kind of uh, work to be talked about. So,
1: yeah, that's like a really great idea because I I have met other people who have said like oh are you sure that's true? And then I'm like, where where do you work? And they're like, I work at Google. And I'm like, oh, mm. yeah, for you maybe maybe it's yeah. not true. Like you work at one of the premier companies, but I think yeah, a lot of yeah. modalities can be copied over um from those companies um and i think the other thing that i kind of want to ask on the survey or in the interviews on the focus group is there can be a disparity between the formal rules and the informal rules so for example you know you have this policy that says yes we're very you know mental health friendly and blah 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 blah, blah, but like in reality your bosses aren't aware of it maybe it's quite like oh you took a mental health day like mm, okay Good job at wasting your time. Like Yeah. There can be a disparity between the two
0: aspects. That's yeah, you, that's an interesting uh angle, especially when um the thing that came to mind is the that the trend of the unlimited vacation where it's like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you have unlimited vacation, but uh you you know, you can't take it if you're in usually those companies are super high pressure. So mm-hmm. um yeah, you have unlimited vacation, but you're you're gonna get super frown it's gonna be super frowned upon if you like you basically always have a deadline pretty much. So when are you mm-hmm. going to actually take a vacation? Um, these yeah, kinds exactly. of uh, subtexts that are not uh, not talked about beyond the, the, uh, you know, the headline of some amazing perk. And yeah, that'd be kind of an interesting thing to explore as well.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good thing just to discuss also, because I think that kind of opens the conversation up to like, okay, well, what else is your company offering? Like maternity leave? But people are kind of being shamed into not taking it.
0: What's maternity? Um, I'm, I'm in the United States. No just kidding. But uh, yeah, I'm actually. <laughs>
1: what are we talking about?
0: Yeah, I'm actually. Or I mean, just even so maternity
1: uh, leave. We yeah. still have to fight for maternity leave. So yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic, and I think it kind of then brings it up to other things. Because you know, as I'm trying to explain it to professors, I'm like, oh God, like, why would you care about this issue? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, as far as we you know, it's a very niche issue. I mean, there's, I think one paper said there's maybe 20% of the population that has it, but that hasn't been proven, and people have it at all different kinds of severity levels. So also trying to get it through to people of like, oh, it's also connected, though, to like wider issues of how we treat employees, mm-hmm. the kinds of messages we send out, mental health in general
0: no i mean it, I think uh this this avenue is a great way to potentially break this thing open to kind of really um reach a lot of people who have it but don't realize that they have it mm-hmm. so I think uh yeah. I think yeah, it could be definitely definitely interesting um well, I guess we're um oh yeah, we're only like kind of over over an hour here I can over, go on as you can yeah. tell i can go I can go on and on um and uh, yeah, I'm sure you can too. But yeah, it, I guess, uh, yeah, I'd love, love to, you know, maybe talk about this more as you're getting deeper mm-hmm. into your um, in, into into the project and obviously in January, when, coming up, whenever you have the survey ready, I'd love to promote it, but uh, is there anything else maybe you kind of want to uh, tell folks or, or raise awareness to? Hmm. Um, or not, I you think,
1: know,
0: whatever.
1: Or not, but I think maybe just like saying something that was really helpful for me as I got older was saying like you know, think of something to say to people, like if something's really bothering you, you know, go through it several times, make sure it's um be yeah, offensive key. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, that you can communicate to people, sometimes people don't have the greatest reaction when you ask them about something, even if you ask them really nice, but that's just the way some people are. I mean you can ask them to wear a mask and they still get upset. So, right. Right that's going to happen, but that most people aren't aware of what they're doing. And that if you just ask them really nicely and you give a reason that they might be quite open to your.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's important. Um, uh, because we, in our heads, we obviously think that they're here to kill us, but, uh, <laughs> they're probably not even aware of what's going on and they wouldn't yeah. mind, uh, they wouldn't mind taking a small step to, uh, give you a little bit of sanity. So, yeah, yeah. that's an imp- always an important reminder. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, Olivia, um, yeah, thanks. It's been a, a great great conversation. Like I said, I could, uh, yeah, I'm sure we could keep going on about this. Uh, um, definitely will wanna follow, follow your work here. Um, yeah, but I wanna, yeah, thanks again for, for telling us about the, the, your work, your life, and uh, yeah, very excited.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Very excited. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Olivia. Again, you can contact Olivia at oliviamisophonia at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me anytime on Instagram or Facebook at Misophonia Podcast or Twitter at Misophonia Show. Also, email me at hello at misophoniapodcast.com. If you're enjoying the shows, please give us uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Music, as always, is by Moby. And until next week, wishing you peace and quiet.